Uh, well, we're going to be in our Bible, so you want to open up in your scripture to Exodus chapter 35. You definitely want to make sure that you can check as I'm reading to make sure I'm not making this up as I go. Uh, you can see that we're in the Word together. So we're going to be in Exodus chapter 35. Um, so just to recap, as you're turning there, last week we learned how um, the law convicts us and shows us our sin. And then we're going to learn uh, definitely the continuation of how God has a joy and delight to restoring us uh, through, the, you know, through today, the power of Jesus Christ. But our Messiah has come to fulfill the law, redeem us, and forgive us. So moving into chapter 35, there's the, so now what? I mean, obviously, that's amazing. The Lord has saved us. The Lord has washed us clean. The Lord has lifted us up. So now what? We're going to see how the Lord takes what we have and ordains it for his service. And I want to just take this moment to remind us, as I was going through the book of Exodus, um, I'm always asking, like, what is the purpose of this book? Like, what's the overall arching purpose of this book? And I would say that our lives have a purpose, and our purpose is to bear testimony. And I wrote this in my Devo when we first started um, going through the book of Exodus. I wrote this at the top. Does my life testify of how much I serve God? Or what's the quality of my service to the Lord? And then I wrote below that, do people look at me and know that God serves me? And that was a very uh, challenging thing for my quiet time. Um, do I live in such a way that I bear witness to the goodness of God? And that can be really the overarching theme of the book of Exodus because as the people were marched out of slavery in Egypt, they were marched through the wilderness and on their way to the promised land. And everything that you can say that God is moving the people of Israel through each phase, first he's, he's, he's giving them an escape, an escape from slavery and death, right? But then he moves them then to the wilderness. And that might not seem that great when you're in the wilderness, but looking backwards, you could say, I, I, I remember what it used to be like. But now that I'm in the desert, it doesn't mean I go without need. And who provides the need? The Lord. And that's a preparation to moving into the promised land because I believe that the Lord kind of brings us through these seasons of our life where we have maybe a lack or a need so that we can watch him fulfill it. Not us by our own power, not by the way that we want to do it, that we are shaped by the loving reach and supply of, of God. And mostly I want to say this, we should be a people that when, peop when the world looks at us, they see a group of people that's been shaped by the generosity of a good God. And so that's, to me, the story of the book of Exodus. Um, by the way, if you want to write any of that down and use that next week during the potluck, you'll probably get a lot of points with Pastor Ryan when he leads because the mic will be passed around. So you can use that. You, have, you, can, you can plagiarize. It's no problem. But that's the whole point of us being rescued from sin. What's the whole point? That we put our full reliance on the Lord. We did not save ourselves. In fact, even the, in Israel... Uh, as a nation, as they were under the foot of Egypt, they didn't save themselves. First, there had to be a messenger in Moses to come to them and let them know that God had a plan and this is what he was going to do. And then he broke them out of Egypt and then he brought them all the way and then he provided the promised land. And so that's how we are different from the world. We are different from the world in this one way. We acknowledge our God and we fully rely on him. And that's what you're gonna see through the scripture tonight you're going to notice that God is going to command us to fully rely on him. And that's interesting because there's still a grace-filled kind of like invitation from the Lord. He doesn't do it with a heavy hand, and yet he commands, come to me and see how good I am going to be to you. That sounds kind of really good, right? 
Uh, and that's where we are to be, a people of the, uh, that operate in the kindness and compassion of the heart of our Lord. And so that's what we're going to do. So before we begin, I'm going to give you a, a, a note on the screen. If you've been blessed by God's generosity, so if you have been blessed by it, so therefore, bless the Lord with generous hands and generous hearts. So you're standing at the, uh, at the exit of your sin. You're standing on the beginning of your salvation, and the Lord is taking care of you. What should I do now? Well, if you call yourself a follower of God, it is time for you to take an inventory of everything that he's done for you. And then look at that inventory and go, now that I realize, I didn't realize it at the time, but now that I realize how blessed by God I am, maybe it's time for me to bless him back. And there's going to be a command there. And you can see we are marked by that generosity because when people get really, really nervous in the world and they have no hope, what do they do? They just cry out and they have, they have no aim. You can see it in their anxiety. You can see it in their fear in their eyes. But when the people of God get crushed, what do they do? They move to their faith and to a faithful God. And so we should be marked by the generosity of God because you could just be like another person and go, Lord, you saved me from Egypt, but now the army of Egypt is right behind me and I'm up against the Red Sea. And he goes, well, I'll just part it. Okay, that's great. That's awesome. Now they're coming through, the, through that same ravine that we went through, right through the split. Well, I'll just crush them with the waves. So now your enemy's gone. Now what? Continue worshiping me. Okay, Lord, but I'm really, really hungry. You didn't, you didn't bring any snacks for this trip. Okay, then I'll give you chicken and waffles. I'll just let it rain from the sky. Are you guys okay? We're okay, but now we're really thirsty. Well, then I'll touch a rock. And you hear this keep complaining, but there's not a place that is fully ready to go. You know what? God, you brought me here for this place in this season because you are preparing for me for eternity to have a lifetime of me operating in your generosity. And now that I've been blessed by your generosity and I see your generosity, let me become part of that same legacy. Let me enter into the, to the generosity of the family and just be another person that looks like you, sounds like you, and moves like you. Why? Because I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. And here in this kingdom, we move in God's blessings. We're not marked by fear. We're not marked by despair. We're not marked by anxiety. We're marked by this. I don't know how the Lord's going to do it, but he's going to do it. Because he's a supernatural God, and what I can see in front of me, that's not the end. God is writing my story, and when he says it's the end, and by the way, he never says it's the end because we're going to live with him eternity. And so we should move that way. Lord, you have blessed me richly. Let me give you generous hands. Let me give you a generous heart. And so I just want you to have that in your mind as you move through the commandments that God is going to give his people. Join me in verse 1. This is the Sabbath regulations. Uh, chapter 35, verse 1. Moses assembled the whole Israelite community and said to them, these are the things that the Lord has commanded. Right there. You, this is for what you're to do. For six day work is to be done. But the seventh day shall be your holy day, a day of Sabbath rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it is to be put to death. Do not light a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Can you imagine the attendance at Calvary Chapel, if we all waited for you not to come, and then we were like, but the Lord commanded that you must die today. Can you imagine? You would be like, Joe, so my kids, Joey and Charlie, you better get in that car. We are making it to church on the holy day. But what the Lord is commanding here is he's showing you a very distinct way to worship. He's showing you that inside of this, you need to come to a full form and trust and rest. Isn't this amazing? Now that the people are post 
the situation, the incident at the golden calf, right? They made a mistake. They tried to worship the Lord in the wrong way. It was completely bad. The Lord was like, Moses, I'm going to get rid of these people and start over. Moses intervened. The Lord richly blessed them with forgiveness and said, okay, I will go with your people all the way to the promised land. So beautiful. But then the Lord doesn't work in a vacuum. He doesn't just say, so just go, let's fight. He goes, I have a plan for you. And then you know what I'm going to start with? This is how, just so you guys know, this is how I fall in love with God. The first thing we're going to talk about is rest. I'm like, wow, great. That's awesome. So Sundays we're taking naps. Absolutely. That's what we're doing. And I love that kind of alert because there's a prescription here. Because people can kind of do this. If, if I was in debt, I could really use that money on the seventh day. Or if I was in fear of losing my job, I could really lose my money, or I could lose my job, I could lose the way to have means for my family on the seventh day. But the Lord says, don't worry, I'll put you in the job. I'll take care of you. I'll give you the means to do what you were supposed to do if you honor me. I need you to rest and recalibrate. And remember, your job isn't everything. I am. So I want you to step back and enter into that rest. So before work, there is obedience in his generous rest. Isn't that amazing? That's what the Lord is saying. Do you realize the Lord is a God of rest? Genesis chapter 2, 2. And he built everything and then he rested, right? You know, the Lord was like, I've done good. I'm going to take a break. And that's how the Lord, even Jesus himself said, I've done enough for today. Guys, push out the boat. It's time to take a rest. I, I have to recalibrate. I have to go back to the spirit. There's always going to be more. If anyone has ever tried to maintain a garden or a backyard in Florida, you know there's always more to do, right? There's always another weed or another squirrel came in. and right, There's always more to do. And the Lord's like, but that's not your job. Your focus is to be me. And you can be consumed by everything else to the point of exhaustion and you'll never have rest and then you'll become frustrated. But if you come to me, I will be your rest. So if you have a need, do not let it supersede the Lord. Let the Lord address that need by coming to him and letting him be over that need. Lord, you know that I could be working today. You know there's more to do, but I'm actually gonna step back and sit in your rest and let you do the work. If you honor the Lord, he will honor you. And that's why I believe in Psalms, David would say this so, so greatly. Imagine a man who was anointed to be king and watching Saul destroy the nation, be a bad king, and yet he would write these words, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Why? Because I'm, I'm waiting for God's timing. Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Do you know how to do that? I'm gonna be honest with you, sometimes I don't. I really don't. I sometimes, I, as soon as there's a problem, I want to meet it. I want to go to it. I want to fix it right now. And the Lord's like, we'll get to it. Do you trust me? And that's what it comes down to. Do I have faith enough to rest in the Lord? And then even going back to Exodus 33, 14, after Moses entered his plea to the Lord to not destroy Israel, God said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. The work of making its way, the whole nation of Israel to the promised land is God's job, not ours. We just have to show up and suit up and be ready for him to speak and move, but he does all the heavy work. And that's how Jesus became our Sabbath. We rest in the fact that he did all the work for us on the cross. Do you realize that? When we face the cross, we look at a Jesus Christ that says, I have paid for all of your sins. When he was being crucified on the cross, he said, it is finished. I have wiped out the debt. There is no more work for you to do. The only thing you need to do is receive what I've given you. 
And that's where the enemy can come in and shake us up and make us uh, tired and exhausted when we keep pursuing, I need to do more. I'm not good enough. Of course you're not good enough. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Now, will you rest in the fact that he came to you, washed you in his blood, and now you are forgiven, restored, white as snow, and ready to go? Which means now this is the rest that we enter into. God is everything. And so I just want to let you know, the Sabbath also points to this. We are not the kings and queens of our calendar. God is. God has set a schedule for rest. Isn't that amazing? He starts with rest. I, just, I don't know if you guys can get this. I love naps. I love that he opens up this, this, this chapter and goes, hey, I need, you to t- I need you to take it down a notch. But we have to do this. This is also us saying to God when we move into this rest, I trust you enough to not get in the way of your goodness. Does that mean I know what that goodness is? No. Does that not mean I'm still looking at the Lord going, but how are we going to take care of all the things we need to take care of now that I've entered into a day of rest? It's saying this, my way is not the best way, yours is. And I will receive that finished work that you've done. And so I will receive you, Jesus Christ. I will receive your words and I will rest in your blessings. We can be wrestling like Jacob against God, but realize not that how much he's working for us. Do you realize that when Jacob was entering into a relationship with God, that covenant that he would, that he would make with Jacob was so powerful and so wonderful, it would sustain the nation of Israel all because of one covenant with one man. That's beautiful. And you could be doing that for, your, for yourself and for your family right now. But if I'm working so hard, I'm working myself out of rest and out of his blessings, then what am I doing it for? I'm doing it for me. I've entered into another golden calf, haven't I? It's me. And I will stand before the golden calf of Joey and watch it fail me time and time again. But that's what the Lord's doing. Take a beat, step back, rest, be refreshed, get ready to be able to answer all the things that I want you to do by receiving from me today. If we're too busy working, then we're not receiving. And if we're too busy focused on everything else, guess what? We will not stand for what's important because we don't know what it is. And what's important is a God of rest and blessing. Let's continue. Verse 4. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. Once again, another command. For what, you have, for what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver and bronze, blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastpiece. And so once again, the Lord has commanded, but listen to what he's saying this time. First, I need you to enter into rest. That's my first command to you. Trust that I got this. The second thing I'm going to command you as a community, he talks to the whole, let's say to, in this way, to the church of that time. He says, I want you to collectively come here and worship me by blessing me with what I've blessed you with. I want you to bless me with what I've blessed you with. And look at the prompt that he puts in here. Everyone who is willing. So do you maybe make an assumption that somebody was in the crowd and goes, well, if everybody gives, I don't have to give. If somebody's in this crowd, you know, like, well, I like all my Egyptian gold. I'm not partying with any of it. But the Lord says, guess what? Everyone who is willing or as your heart prompts. And what is God is, is doing is really saying, go home. Stop and think about this. Probably talk husbands and wives or family members get together. And why don't you guys come up with a plan together 
on what kind of a blessing that you think you should give me. Mind you, the slaves of Israel have walked out of Egypt with everything from Egypt because God plundered them, not the Israelites. You see, the Lord says, it doesn't work in a vacuum. He goes, I don't, I don't just make you a slave anymore. I make you the people of God, right? So he's like, he didn't free them and then just leave them. He said, you are now my people. So you used to be identified as a slave. Now you're identified as my people. You used to be poor, but guess what? Now I've blessed you. And now with that blessing that you've received from me, how about you give back? You see, we're just stewards of what the Lord's given us. Isn't that amazing? All of it is his. And yet, what does he ask back? Now think about this. I want you to take inventory tonight. I want you to stop and think, how much has God blessed you? How much is God taking care of you? And you may have some near misses, and you may not be, you know, like have, you know, like that one guy, whoever that person is, that won the, what is it, the Mega Millions? You know? Do you know what they said? They, they said, like, don't even identify who you are, because everybody's going to come running, right? You know, like, don't even, like, don't even tell the world, don't even do a press conference, hide, let, a, let somebody move out for you. We're knowing, we might not be that kind of rich where people are coming out of the woodwork to, to show us down, but how many of you here have had everything that you've need because the Lord has provided not you, but the Lord has provided. And yet the provision that we have, he goes, I just want you to learn how to let go of materials and not let that be your God. Give back to me. You see, the Lord is showing us to stop and think how much of a measurement of our gratitude is back to God. One way is how we bless the Lord. Look at this verse, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Isn't that amazing? God blesses the giver. And do you believe that? Is that just a verse that applies to everybody else? Or does it apply to all of us? Or does it apply to you? And it also says here, God loves a cheerful giver. And I don't know if you, you know this uh, translation. You've probably heard this before. That word cheerful giver is actually more like a hilarious giver. That, that word that we get is from uh, hilarious, like a ha, 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 ha. So, I mean, just think about the last time you ran to the, to the tithe box going, hoo, and just like slam dunked that thing and ran into church, right? And that's the Lord. He's like, if you're not on that level, then don't give to me. Because you have now shown me that, and you've actually really truthfully, when you hold up a mirror to yourself, you've shown to yourself that you're a little bit more of a Scrooge. You're a little bit, and you might have good reason. We're not talking about giving out of your lack. We're talking about giving out of your blessing. So if you don't have to give tonight, please understand that that's not who the Lord is talking to. But if you have been richly blessed by God, and you're still putting a kung fu grip on that, and the Lord is saying to you, won't you take an inventory of tonight? and look at yourself and see that's the measurement of your gratitude. It's also the measurement of how much you believe I will continuously bless you. Because if you won't give, you're saying to me that I have to hold on to this now because I'm not sure you're ready to give more to me, Lord. And yet the Lord is saying, you do understand I own the universe, right? Like there isn't anything that I, I'm, I'm not like coming to you like, hey, I'm coming up short this week. That's not the Lord. The Lord doesn't have any empty pockets. The Lord is looking at you and saying, I want somebody who's excited to give because they have tasted and seen how good the Lord is and they are marked by my generosity that they know that they cannot outgive me. 
that I am a generous God that is for my people. And if I guide you to the place of giving, I am going to provide for you so that I want you to understand that you are just a steward of what I've given you. And the people here would actually give so much that at a certain point, Moses would have to stop them. And I think that's amazing too, because the Lord had a number in mind, right? This is how much gold I needed. This is how much silver, yarn. This is how much I needed. And when the people gave enough, the Lord told Moses to stop. Isn't that amazing? That the Lord was like, I don't need more. I could have more. I don't need more. You have proven to me, and you've actually, more importantly, proven to yourself that your Lord and your God is your Messiah, and you trust me with everything. And so he says, stop there. So that's not a greedy situation. And so God is raising up a nation, a generation, a church of givers. And giving is, you know what? It's really not for, for God completely. It's also for us. Look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 through 12. This is where we can say that the Lord is good. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. We are working out of what God has given us and nothing more. The God of your generosity is the God that knows you completely and knows exactly how much you need to give for you to be in line with him. And when I say give, I mean everything. Time, talent, resources. You're going to see that later. And the Lord is not asking anybody here to starve. But the Lord is asking you, you know, if you're looking at this, I want you to see that I'm working in you and through you. And I'm shaping you and molding you so that people look at you and they see me. How can we represent a generous God if we are not generous? How can we not represent a a compassionate God if we're not compassionate? And that's what the Lord is saying. But you know what the Lord is saying also too? If you do give, you have now entered into my program of generosity and giving and I'll be right there with you. I just say this, you know, it's amazing to me how many times, and I'm gonna be real with you here, I, and it could even be this year, I won't tell you what date, where I've actually held my tithe and offering and been like, ooh, maybe, maybe not, Lord. You don't understand, right? And yet the Lord was like, have I been good to you? And I was like, yeah, but that thing's coming up and I need to pay for it. Put it in there. And I kid you not, every need I've ever had has been blessed. I might not be the richest person in the planet. I might not be like, you know, like fanciest cars or fanciest clothes, but I'll let you know that even out of my need, even when I gave and I listened to the Lord, the Lord has provided for me. And I have said to the Lord, you know what? I want to challenge you. I want to do that again. It's a little scary at first, but when I did it and it worked, it felt good. And it's a little bit less scary the next time. But you know, the Lord kind of challenges me, and, it's, and the giving gets bigger and bigger. And you know why? Because Jackie and I, as a, as a husband and a wife, have come together and said, we cannot outgive God. Let's do it again. And that's an, an incredible place to work. So once again, we're moving beyond the material. We're working out of what God has given us. Look at verse 10. So God's going to move out of the material now. Look what he's going to talk to now. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle with its tent, its covering, its clasps, its frames, its crossbars, its posts, and its bases. The ark with its poles and the atonement cover and the curtain that shields it. The table with its poles and all its articles and the bread of the presence. The lampstand that is for light with its accessories. Lamps uh, and oil for the light, the, the altar of incense with its poles, the anointing oil, the altar of the burnt offering, oh, sorry, fragrant incense, the curtain of the doorway, 
at the entrance to the tabernacle, verse 16, the altar of burnt offerings with its bronze grating, its poles and all its utensils, the bronze basin with its stand, the curtains of the courtyard with its post, the bases and the curtains of the entrance of the courtyard, the tent pegs for the tabernacle and for the courtyard, a lot of courtyards, and their robes, the woven garments worn for the ministering in the sanctuary, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests. Um, I just want to stop here and just like kind of remind you, this is, you might go, man, Joey, we have talked about this tabernacle, I don't know, maybe for like two months now. And yet all we keep getting is a bunch of like, like Home Depot, honey-do lists, things to go by and the Lord hasn't moved. But I just want to let you know, how many times has the Lord had to reset with his people? I mean, he's like, I'm about to build a tabernacle and my presence, oh my goodness, you guys are building a golden calf. What is going on? Oh my gosh, you guys are bickering again. Oh my gosh, you're attacking Moses again. What is going on? How many times have you ever stood at the door of your house and yelled at your kids, get your shoes, get your shoes, 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 shoes. And so you might feel like this is super repetitive, but is God not showing us that we, the children of God, are just like our kids that don't listen? I'm literally saying to my son the other day, shoes, and he comes out with Legos, and he builds himself shoes out of Legos. And I'm like, what on God's green earth are you doing? We have to get in the car and go to church. And he goes, I just thought I would try this today. And I was just like, I get it, Lord. I get the book of Exodus now. I totally get it. Go back in your room and get your shoes that are shaped like sharks right now, or I'm going to lose it. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I totally get it. And that's what the Lord is doing. So if you feel a repetitive nature, just remind yourself as we go, man, the people of Israel are just the worst. How many times have God had to say to you, calm down and give, 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 relax, give, relax, relax. Stop sinning, stop sinning. And that is who we are dealing with. But do we not have a gracious father? Because I'm not nearly as in trouble with him as, as my kids are with me. So if you see here, we move from material to giftings, right? And so you have to understand that the Lord put that gifting in you. Whatever that gifting is, the Lord has put that gifting in you. And you have a purpose to bring that gifting back to the Lord. So if the Lord has blessed you with material things, it's time to bless God back and see how he'll replace and replenish and then you know, keep going with his generosity. What about your giftings? Well, it is important for us to understand that God has gifted us uh, to earn a living, right? To take care of our family, to provide for our kids. And that's all part of your ministry. But God is also showing you in this exodus that there is a shadow of things to come. You will always have a job in the kingdom of God. And there will be work. You understand Adam and Eve, when they were just walking around, prancing around naked in the garden, you just think, oh, that looks like paradise. But God actually gave them a job. He said, I want you to turn the whole earth and to look like the Garden of Eden. It's a paradise. You have a job. You have to go out and do it. Now, the work was easy, correct? And then later after the sin, the work became hard. But even still in this place, we are to have a job here inside of the kingdom. And so you have to ask yourself, what am I supposed to do with this gift that God has put inside of me? Is it for my own benefit or is it for his? And I would say it is time for us to give back to the Lord. You know, I'm always amazed when someone comes to me and goes, I can't teach the youth or I can't sing in the worship. And I'm like, well, what can you do? And they're like, I'm really good with a hammer and a nail. And then they help us out on the playground. How richly you've blessed the church. Or if you are good at cooking, somebody, believe me, breaking bread is really important. Potluck dinner is going to prove that, that we are to break bread together. But, you know, sometimes somebody comes in and goes, you know, this is what I can do. And I'm amazed because I'm like, please do it again. That's, that's the good stuff. 
especially uh, if you're into glazed donuts. Somebody made this. Anyways. Um, Savior, so right? Right? So you can give to the Lord, but you also receive back. You have to say, the reason why I'm going to bring my giftings back to the Lord is because I have received far more than I've given. I've received far more than I've given. You know, one time I went on a mission trip um, with a really, like, tough, brute guy, and he led a, the construction side of the mission trip. And so I was over here helping people uh, set up, like, a, a kindergarten uh, set up in a school, and we brought materials and, you know, crayons and, and books and stuff for the, for the kids. And I just remember at the end of the day, he just, all he did was renovate their school and build it up, right? And he goes, that's all I did. That's all I did. And I just remember, I'm like, that's not all you did. And I put my hand on his shoulder and I filled his, this huge guy. He was like built like a door. His shoulders were going up and down. I go, well, I look, he's sobbing. And I go, what's going on with you? And he goes, all I have to give to them is these rough hands and how to, how to put an AC unit in a place that doesn't have an AC. And he goes, but yet I've received far more than I've given today. And I go, but you had a skill and you brought it to the Lord. And look how the Lord, look how the Lord used your blessing. Even though you're blessing other people, you're still receiving a blessing. And what is that blessing? The blessing of the Lord to say, I am here at the front lines of ministry with you and you have honored me and now I have honored you. And just, I, I think about this moment of this, this great big man whose rough exterior just melted away in front of these little kids as he built them an AC unit, but he didn't do it for them. He did it for the Lord. And look at the blessing he received. And that is the legacy that we enter into. Let's go into verse 20. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence. And everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold and jewelry of kinds of brooches, of earrings and, and rings and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Uh, I just want to remind you that wave offering, by the way, is a wave offering of victory. So I think that's kind of interesting. I've received gold and plunder from Egypt, right? And I'm giving it back to the Lord, but I'm waving it before the Lord in victory. This is yours because you have been so great in our life, and we have received your victory. Look at verse 24. Those presenting an offering of silver or bronze brought it as an offering to the Lord. Everyone who had acacia wood for any part of the work brought it. And every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun, blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen. And all uh, the women who were willing had spun, and had the skill spun the goat hair. That's important. The leaders brought onyx, stones, and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. And they also brought spices and of olive oil for the light, for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense. And all the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord freewill offerings for the work of the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. I want you to put, look at this point on the screen. Generous hearts are driven by God's continual generosity. We give because God is a giver. The people, when they went home after they listened to Moses that night, they had a lot. They had the whole plunder of Egypt, right? And they went home and they talked amongst themselves and no doubt that they prayed and they said to each other, you know what, we didn't, we didn't earn any of this. This is all belongs to God. And you know what, he's not even asking for all of it back. He's just asking for a portion from all of us. And it just reminds me that, you know, as we are not owners, we're just stewards. 
we are like conduits. The Lord's blessings don't stop at the thing that you give. It continues through. And it's almost like, if you think about it, like a water with a dam, right? You know, if you remove that dam, the water just flows. But sometimes we can get in the way of the Lord's blessing, can't we? No, I need this. I have to hold on to this. And yet, what did they give? They didn't just give of their material blessings. They gave of their skills that God gave them. And they all came together as a community, as a church, and as one. And they didn't stash or hoard And they waved it before the Lord in victory because they realized one thing. A couple weeks ago, maybe a couple chapters ago, we were worshiping a golden calf. And yet the Lord could have struck us dead then. And yet, no, he says, no, I have come to you and I have poured out my grace. And and Moses has interceded and I I have agreed again to go with my presence to you, to the promised land. There is no lost hope. In fact, hope is increased, is it not? Even when I messed up. Even when I sinned in the face of the Lord, even when I was fearful and anxious, even though God gave me all of his precious promises, even though I made the mistake, the Lord came to me, lifted me up, encouraged me, and continued blessing blessing me, and then said, let's get to work together. There's nothing more amazing to me when God says, hey, you know what? Let's collect ourselves and let's go to work together. Because if I was God, I wouldn't talk to me for probably a year after some of the mistakes that I've made. And yet the Lord goes, you know what? I'm not done. We're not done. Let's do this together. I want you to bear my name. I want you to be my blessing. I want the world to look at you and see the blessings flow through you. I want you to be my gospel in the community that I am a God that doesn't give up. I am a God that is for you and not against you. And that's what the Lord has said. Go home, think, pray. And the people said, you know what? All of these things are true. Lord, these are yours. These are yours. Take them. Do what you want. And you know what they got? The presence of God in their community. Look at verse 30. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel. That'll hurt, right? If you try it too fast. Bezalel, a son of Uri, the son of Ur, and the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, and with knowledge and all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set the stones, to work in wood, and engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given to him uh, An Oholiab, son of Asamak, the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with a skill to do all kinds of works as engravers, designers, embroiders in blue, purple, and scarlet, scarlet yarn, and fine linen and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. Uh, This is incredible to me because you hear the Lord's desire to work through his people. And here he has specifically selected two guys to change the face of the way they do worship. And he's done this by saying, yes, you are skilled, but can you imagine when my spirit enters your skill? Can you imagine when I take what you're good at and raise it up to heavenly levels? You understand that the tabernacle was the place of worship and it was given to Moses by a blueprint in heaven. And so the Lord has come to you and said, I want to take what you can do and I want to put my power in it and I want to raise it up to the level of heaven. That's an incredible thought. God wants to show you a new way with your good skill. God wants to build the desire in you to do stuff on the level that is the quality of him. You know, one time 
um, we were, this, is, this is Palm Bay, so I can say this. Um, I would put a new fence in Palm Bay, and we're supposed to have an inspector come in and look at the fence, right? And so when it's done, so he could sign off on the permit. And I'm like, you know, come on, man. It's my fence. I did a good job. Just relax, you know? But that's what they have to do. Palm Bay has to come out good. And I remember the guy driving up. It's Palm Bay. If you live in Palm Bay, I'm sorry. This is what happens. He pulled out. He got out of his car. He, like, put one foot out of his car, but didn't fully get out. And he was on the other side of the road. And he saw me, and I, the fence wasn't even done yet. And he went, <laughs> and he got in his car, and he drove away, like, really fast. And I was like, so it was the whole thing. I had to go downtown and sign a thing, and that was it. You know, it was like, I go, what was, I go, that quality could have been shoddy. could have been anything. But yet the Lord comes to you and says, look, we're on that level. The permit that you're going to get is going to be blessed by the Holy Spirit, and the quality of work is going to be the kind that lasts forever in heaven. Do you want what you do to have purpose and value that lasts for eternity? I would say absolutely. The Lord says, well, come and work alongside me. And let me put my power inside of you and let the things that you do, that you put your hands to, touch and remain forever. To this day, I talked to that gentleman about going out uh, to Mexico and blessing those, those poor orphans with a school. And he always looks at me and says, man, I just want to go back so bad. And I just want to do something that matters. He uses that word all the time. I want to do something that matters. And I go, I know exactly what you're talking about because you know what we are? We are to use our gifts in this way to bless the kingdom of God that has blessed us richly. I was meant for death. I am now full of life. I was out of hope. Guess what? I have a faithful God who has become my hope. I didn't even have two pennies to give once. And now Jackie and I are like talking about how, arguing, should we give more? Should we give more? Should we give more? Because we have seen how good God is. And that's all been because the Lord has put inside of me himself, a generous God, a giver. And we are honoring God when we realize this. Our gifts, our material, everything we have, our time is all just placeholders to bring the glory of God to our community, to our homes, to our families, to our friends, to this church. And that's how we honor God. Romans would show you the depth of this. And I want you to think about the golden calf and now how God's talking to them. Romans chapter 5, verse 20 through 21 would say this. The law was brought so that the trespass might increase. That would connect us to the last chapter. The law was brought so the trespass might increase. But where sin is increased, grace is increased all the more. A people that rebelled against God will now be the people that build the, t- the tabernacle. Just think about that. The people that stood at the foot of the mountain of God as he was speaking to Moses, lightning, cloud, thunder, all that happening, and they totally blew it, are the same people that now would become his representatives to the world. So did grace increase? Absolutely. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through the righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm going to give you a small translation at the bottom there. We are blessed as stewards of God's grace, riches, and glory. We're blessed. I have eternal salvation because God chose to give it to me. That's it. I didn't earn it. God chose it to give it to me. Every blessing that I've had since then, I can tell you how many times I've been blown away by the way that the Lord has blessed me in the middle of my ridiculousness. I can be arguing with God. I can be fearful. I can be doubtful. And yet the Lord just keeps pouring out his grace. And yet I can sit here and go, you know, man, Lord, are you even here? Are you here right now? The electricity went out. 
I can't watch the football game. Are you even listening to me? Is this happening? Is this happening to me right now? And the Lord just continues to pour out. And I'm like, and I think about these ridiculous statements I say in my mind. And then I, and I go, man, but I am so blessed. Let me ask you this question. Has God blessed us as a church? Has God blessed you? And let me ask you this question. And this is how you know. Well, Lord, what can I give Joey? What can I do for the Lord? Let me just ask you, is there any way that you can bless the Lord today? Maybe with a worship song from your heart. Maybe with a, an offering. Maybe with an invitation to a neighbor that's hurting. Maybe with a skill that you have that you haven't applied to uh, his ministry. There are multiple ways that you can bless the Lord. But I want you to think about this. The God that's talking to you right now about blessing, the God that's maybe moving in your heart, that's challenging you on how you can move forward in ministry is also the same God that has seen you in your golden calf moment. And just think about this. The Lord saw you in your sin. You were created and designed to worship him. You may have rebelled against that, and yet you have still entered into his forgiveness, have you not? And he still wants to work in you. And after you notice this moment, you go, you know what? I didn't have to try hard. All I had to do was call Jesus my Messiah and ask for forgiveness, and I'm forgiven. And then the question comes, now what? So here's your now what moment right now. Take inventory. You have salvation. Now let's take count of all your blessings. What do you have that you wouldn't have had if the Lord didn't show up in your life? I will tell you this, as a person, and some of you guys know my testimony, as a person who um, was addicted to drugs and far away from life and, and, and almost died, I'm amazed to this day when I hold my two boys. I was once a person of death, right? I, I wanted to commit suicide via drugs. That was me. And yet the Lord brought a hope and restored me, and now I'm a person of life. And I cannot believe that God has pulled me into this ministry, pulled me into this family of life and generosity where before I was robbed of that because of hopelessness. And now I take inventory. And so sometimes I could sit there and I could worry. And the Lord asked me to give, give of my time, give of my talent, give of my resources. And I go, you know what? I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for you. You can have it all. You can have it all. It's all yours anyway. And as I submit that to the Lord, you know what the Lord does? He just richly blesses me with more. And yet my, 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 my grip in my hand doesn't go on to the things that the Lord gives me. My grip in my hands go towards the Lord or the giver that he is. And this is all preparation for things to come. I love this as a, uh, as a, as a, a comment and a close. Chuck Smith said this in, in one of his teachings. You know, I love to be in a place where that in the way I'm living in communion with the Lord and I'm, I'm giving and he's giving, that I desire to live my life with God in such a way that when I die, I die, I hardly notice a difference. Revelation of how good God is shouldn't be when you get to heaven. Revelation should be how good God is now, that you're just a hilarious giver. That you're just enjoying, Lord, it was yours to begin with. I was meant for death, and now I'm living for you. It's all yours. I was on my way to hell. I'm on my way to heaven now. It's all yours. I'll give, 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 and I'll just watch you give too. And you know what? We'll just look at each other and probably laugh trying to outgive each other. You know, it's always laugh at this moment. You know, as I, my son was doing something the other day, and he was like drawing a picture, and he's taking, I have really nice pens that people have given me, and he's like scribbling all over. Then I go, hey, can I get that pen? I have to sign a check. And he goes, no. <laughs> and I'm like, boy, I gave you that pen. Like, what are you doing? 
And then I told him, like, you know, everything that you own is mine, actually. So I could take those dinosaurs back. And he was like, wait a minute, hold on. Wait a minute, not the dinosaurs. He was like, take this pen, right? So I take the pen and I sign the check. And he's doing something behind my head and I couldn't hear him. And then I hear, Daddy, I'm sorry. And I go, what? And he turned around and all the pens in the house were on the chair behind me. And he goes, you can have all the pens, Dad. He goes, just, I mean, this is different. He goes, don't take my dinosaurs. I'm like, I'm not going to take your dinosaurs. But just the fact that he thought, you know what? Dad has been good to me. Don't take those dinosaurs. But I think about this. Do we take inventory of our life and go, you know what? It's all his. All the blessings, all the goodness. Are we shaped by the idea that God is preparing us for not just a life of generosity, but an eternity of generosity? What are we holding on to here? that's going to overshadow what we have in heaven? What, what is, what is, what is going to be so great that I need it right now that God couldn't take it and bless it and make it more? This is all the place that we live. Nothing can be a satisfactory offering until we realize this. God is good to us, and we need to be good to God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you that you've been such a good, good God. I thank you just that we have just been richly blessed. I thank you that you don't just give us these commands just because. You give us these commands because you gave first. And you've faithfully, continually given to us. And yet we might be learning lessons, and yet you might be discipling and shepherding us, but your grace abounds. We have brought disobedience and sin, and you've brought mercy and forgiveness. We have brought so much faithlessness and, and despair, and you've brought faithfulness. We have run from you and you've just surrounded us by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to remind us that you are such a sweet and generous and giving God. And we love you. Lord, change our heart for you. Show us the way. Let us taste and see that you are good. And let us be known as a people that are generous, not just to you, but to your family and to your community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.